I like the weird implication there that I I was not a child at one point. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Style Guide with your host Dave Morris and Stephen Orr, or as today's episode should be, The Spooky Guide with uh, Dave Ghost Morris and and Steve <laughs> Zombie Orr. Yeah, I should have thought that one through before yeah. I started it. <laughs> you were trying to come up with scary names for us and had nothing except for putting scary words in the middle of our names. <laughs> Which is scary. Happy Halloween. (laughs) So (laughs) it is, in fact, I I believe it is, in fact, Halloween when people will be listening to this episode. Am I not mistaken? It is very much going to be Halloween. It is. Well, no, it's Halloween when it's released. People may not listen to it on Halloween. True. This could be a few days after Halloween or a few years after Halloween. The magic of the Internet. The magic of the Internet. So, uh, yes, we are doing... Uh, a Halloween episode this year on Halloween. And I don't mean like the day Halloween. Uh, and I don't just mean like uh, we're going to do the Halloween movies and not the genre of Halloween movies, but the specific franchise of Halloween featuring uh, notorious serial killer Michael Myers. Michael Myers, which uh, I'm just going to I'm just going to open with this. For the longest time, I thought that this was great Canadian actor Mike Myers. <laughs> no, you didn't. I, I did. I I was like I I not having not seen the films. I thought that like early in his career, he played a serial killer, and the serial killer's name I didn't know, and everyone <laughs> just called him Michael Myers. Oh, that is brilliant. Uh, yeah. You know, but I do remember a moment when I found out the main character in Halloween was Michael Myers when I was like a teenager or something and going like, Mike Myers, I'm like the comedian. And I'm like, no, 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 it's just the same name. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> that, yeah, was see, my, you... that was my experience. <laughs> see, the same, we had the same experience, except mine endured for years and <laughs> and yours dissipated in, in a moment. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the Halloween movies, which I, I, I don't know how many of our listeners will have watched them. And if you haven't watched them, I'm going to recommend that maybe you don't. They're really scary. Um, and, unless you like scary movies, uh, watch them. But I, I would recommend if you're going to watch them, to watch them at during the day. Not like I did at midnight by myself for the last week. Yeah, see, this is this is the problem. Both both of us, in, in an attempt not to uh, scare our partners and kind of keep with a reasonable schedule for other things in our lives, mm-hmm. decided to watch these at, you know, midnight, two in the morning. Yeah. And and that is not a great time to to watch scary movies. Yeah, um, but to, to not spoil too much about my thoughts about the movie are, the first night I, I had trouble getting to sleep after uh, because I watched the first Halloween. The next night, I had a little bit of trouble getting to sleep because I watched the second Halloween. But the third night, when I watched the third Halloween movie, I slept <laughs> fine. I went right back into bed and absolutely no problems and slept like a perfect baby. <laughs> Saying nothing about the quality of those three films. <laughs> yeah, but that should give you an idea of how I feel about them. So, so yeah, so I, I did watch the first three. And I think I'd see, I've seen some of the later ones when I was a teenager. Yeah, but I don't have like strong memories of them um, because 
once it gets past those first three, it's kind of just like any old slasher movie, at least from yeah. my recollection. And uh, I didn't get around to watching the remake. Did you watch the remake? I did. I watched. Well, I watched the first Rob Zombie remake and not the sequel to that one. And and I, I'm going to want to talk about I think that in particular later on because there I think I have a lot to say about it. I can't wait. Which like as far as preparation for this episode goes like i did quite a bit of prep surprisingly like i watched quite a few of these films in their entirety yeah um and then skimmed through some of the others and started to become fascinated by it yeah i think i'm i'm a fan i, I think i'm gonna keep watching the series until halloween hits uh for well because like you know people listening it's halloween but for us it's not halloween yet <laughs> Right, right. And it might become a yearly tradition of mine to watch the Halloween movies over Halloween. Because uh, they're, they're, they're fascinating. Yeah, there, there's something there. And after reading, like I, I read, so I watched three of the three movies and then I read more than I think I read when we did Poe, you know? Like <laughs> <laughs> I read every Wikipedia from all of the movies <laughs> I read. <laughs> I read uh, like reviews of critics that put out when the movies first came out. And things like that. Mm-hmm. And I think I read so much, mostly because after I watched the first one, I couldn't sleep. So to put myself to bed, I read about the Halloween movies. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So are you a horror genre fan or not at all? I mean, I was uh, when I grew up. And so this is this is what made this so such a fascinating watch for me, is I'd never seen the original Halloween. Mm-hmm. And I grew up watching Friday the 13th. And Nightmare on Elm Street. And uh, I don't think I really ever got into Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that whole thing. But but uh, I was definitely into to Freddie and Jason, you know, growing up in, in like the late 80s, early 90s, when I shouldn't have been watching horror movies, but I had an older brother. So therefore, I got to watch all the horror movies with him. Yeah. So Jason was my awesome, scary slasher killer that walked really slowly and wore a mask and stabbed, uh, stabbed like, you know, uh, teenagers with knives. Um, and after watching Halloween, realizing that the horror movies of my youth are complete ripoffs of John Carpenter's Halloween was a bit of a revelation to me. For, for me, this was really interesting following our, our Poe episode because in, in a lot of ways you can see how like Poe becomes the foundation for horror literature, John Carpenter is really picking up a lot of what... Uh, what Hitchcock did in Psycho and turning it into a genre. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think uh, he took it from Hitchcock, but he also took from, I think, because I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre had already come out before this. Uh, okay. And there were a couple, there's another one as well that were like kind of horror slashery movies, but not perfect slasher films. You know, mm-hmm. they're more just scary movies, gore movies, I guess. And what Carpenter did was definitely be inspired by Psycho. And used some of the tropes you'd find in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, um, but uh, but really perfected them and basically added to the genre every other trope that ever gets used ever in <laughs> slasher films. And he really gave birth to the slasher film. Not horror films, but the slasher film. Yeah, yeah, the slasher film genre. And you know the first Halloween Sits at a ninety four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It deserves to be there, man. I I can't believe how good a movie that was. <laughs> Can, are we are we into it? Can we talk about the first Halloween movie? 
Yeah, let's talk about it. Because I scared like through most of that movie. Mm-hmm. And it's not like the film quality is terrible. And like the acting is horrible. And the sound mixing is bad. And I was still terrified. Like it was, it, and, and it totally made me think of Psycho. Um, yeah. <clears throat> just the, the, because cause the horror doesn't come from the special effects and the horror doesn't come from the acting. The horror comes from the uh, the suspense that he builds and the music. Carpenter really, the the direction in that first film is very good. The, the shots do a great job of slowly building tension from scene to scene. We have a lot of first person stuff where we're following through, I was about to call him Jason, Mike Myers' eyes. And it, it builds this this great tension throughout lots of the scenes and throughout the entire movie that I, yeah, it was, even though, you know, everything else was harder to watch because uh, like, it's a movie from, I guess, 30 years ago. 1978. Yeah, yeah, so almost 40 years ago. It, like, the quality isn't as good as uh, films that we watch today, except everything... Everything else worked because of how well directed it was and how uh, how great I think the music works. I think you're right to point to that as well. Oh man, the music is like the most terrifying thing. You could just put that music on any movie, and you'll be scared for the whole movie. Doesn't like you, like it could be like you know Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street and put that music on, and I'd be terrified. <laughs> but yeah, so like the first person stuff. Can we can, uh, let's talk about just that opening scene? Okay. Um, so the opening scene, that's all through a first-person perspective, and we don't know whose perspective it is. Right. And we watch as we see a young teenage girl and a young teenage boy, and the boy puts a mask on, and they kind of kiss with the mask mm-hmm. on, and then they go upstairs to, uh, you know, have sex. I don't, I <laughs> don't know if they were going to have sex, Dave. It's 1978. They totally did. Um, and... And the first person perspective goes into a kitchen and gets a knife. And then the boyfriend comes down the stairs and leaves. And then the first person goes up the stairs and into the room. And we see a naked woman combing her hair. And then she turns and says, Michael, Michael. And then we see a knife go into the air and come down through the first person perspective. Oh, by this point, they put the mask on. So the first person perspective is like these two slits through the eyes of like a Halloween mask. And we see the knife go up and go down. We don't see it hit her. Uh, we hear some sounds of slashing. We've got this creepy music. We see her fall down with blood on her, and then we see the knife go up and down again. And then we watch as the first person's perspective runs outside, and an old-fashioned station wagon pulls up with two parents that get out, and then it cuts to a third-person shot, like a wide shot, and the mask comes off, and we see it's a small child holding a bloody knife. That's terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Like, right away, I'm scared. Yeah, it it's a great opening scene. It's a it's it's well shot. It's well done. the The violence is implied as much as it's shown. Uh, yeah, man, yeah, I very as far as an opening. Yeah, and that knife shot is like right out of Psycho. You see the knife go up and down, and you don't actually see it touch, but you hear it, and then you imagine it. And the implied violence is so much more terrifying than seeing the violence. Um, and like, so, so that opening sequence is like, I was terrified from that point on and stayed terrified for the whole rest of the movie. Cause it really does set up everything you need to know about the movie. 
This six-year-old kid just decided to kill his sister. And what I like about about the way that they do that is they throw you into it without any context. And so you're just, you're, you're, you're wondering who are we following? What are we following throughout that? And, and somehow the fact that it's this, this little kid is more horrific than anything that I had thought it was. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause, yeah. cause like it, it, what's, what I like about it is that it doesn't, kind of blame the serial killerness on the fact that they've that they've escaped from a mental institute. Mm. Right? So it's not like this is a mental patient that's gone out killing people. Right away from six years old, this character was a killer. Yeah. Well and this this gets into a more uh, a broader point that I have about the the series overall is that there's different eras to the to the Halloween films. Like with with the first couple this is where we start with this this kid who is just evil yeah there's 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 no explaining it in the first two he's evil through and through and that's that's what we're we're to expect they don't they don't try and explain it away uh, at all and so in some ways that's a really understandable and satisfying motivation for the character yeah. which i which i really appreciate what I don't appreciate about that is that he's also invincible. <laughs> yeah, and that was um, like again, that was a moment where I was like, "Oh, they just Jason just ripped this off completely." <laughs> I like that he can't be killed. I like because like this is the thing with the first movie is when you think about like what was John Carpenter's inspiration for this movie. So maybe Texas Chainsaw Massacre a little bit, um, definitely Psycho. But then also the boogeyman, mm-hmm. just the phrase, the term, the boogeyman that everybody is afraid of that comes and, you, you know, this, this monster, this evil demon or whatever the boogeyman is, just whatever you fear come to life. Because that's like one of the themes in the film, right? Is like, I killed him. You can't kill the boogeyman, which might be my favorite line in the whole movie. <laughs> and then they turn around and he's there. And it's like, ah, the boogeyman. Um, and so the fact that he can't be killed, I liked. I liked that. I li- it made him. Uh, uh, it made it not. Again, it made it not like he's a psychopath. You know, it made it like he's a demon of some kind. He's some sort of evil spirit that has taken over this boy. See, and I think I think there's a part of me that that was unsatisfied with the lack of explanation around it. Mm. I don't mind if he if he's this, you know, unkillable monster that we're going to have to deal with in whatever way. What what I didn't like is how they just left it unexplained and so he'd shoot him a bunch of times and then he'd get up and it's for for me it's not that i i need it to be true to life like i don't need it to be that no you know i can't believe that he was shot six times and didn't die that's unrealistic but i want there to be some sort of explanation for why and how beyond just like saying again and again he's evil he's the boogeyman yeah which i think the series eventually starts answering with this idea that it's this curse that he's supposed to kill his bloodline or something stupid Yeah, see, that's... And this is where I'm glad it wasn't answered because the answer that they came up with as it went on got worse. (laughs) 
and and that's the thing and and when we transition to the 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 middle films of four five and six they really lose a lot of the a lot of the charm of that that initial film by answering it's not even that they answered the questions um it's not the fact that they answered them it's just that they answered them so poorly uh, yeah exactly they just and and i honestly don't think they could have come up with an answer that would have been better than just like letting me think that he's some sort of evil spirit and he's the boogeyman like that that's what i thought and that was perfect for me and i loved it um because yeah as they go on they start answering it horribly um but can we keep talking about this first movie because oh, yeah, I gotta definitely. say, man, it was a masterpiece of a horror film. Like I understand now why it went down in history and why so many other slasher films popped up afterwards. We're like, oh, we got to do that same thing. We got to copy that because it was so scary. Like the um, and the fact that they don't show the violence. There's mm-hmm. no violence ever seen in the whole movie. Actually, there's one moment I remember where there was actual like a possible violence you saw, which is when he slits Annie's throat. In the car, okay. And Annie gets in the car, and he comes up, pops up behind her, and he and she realizes, like, when she gets in the car after it was locked, and she goes back, and now it's unlocked. Remember that mm-hmm. moment? That was such a good, scary moment. <gasps> it's unlocked. No, he's in the car. And then she realizes there's condensation on the window inside, and you're like, oh my god, he's in the car. <laughs> so scary. And then he pops up behind her, and he grabs her, and he starts strangling her. I mean, there's lots of strangling violence. Yeah, uh, and then there is a moment from where you see outside the car the camera is, and uh, he grabs a knife and he slits her throat. But I still don't yeah. think you see any real blood, do you? You might see a bit, but I think part of this is just a budget issue, right? Like it was a really low budget <laughs> yeah, film, super low budget. <laughs> and so to get around that, they didn't show a lot of the things that would have been more expensive, which is a great trick to do with. Um, with filmmaking but they use it to tell the story in in such a better way and it somehow makes the violence more terrible yeah that we never we never see it which is that thing that hitchcock uh kind of knew and did intentionally with psycho is he never showed a knife stabbing anyone but people when they left the theater swear they saw it Mm -hmm. you know because that because they imagined it and it was the imagined horror is more terrifying um but yeah, so like that that there's hardly any violence in it. Um and I think one of my favorites was the boyfriend stabbing scene. Mm-hmm. When he kills the boyfriend, do you remember this moment? The boyfriend that's sleeping with not Annie but the other friend, <laughs> Lindsay. Yeah. I, can't, I don't remember all their names. It's amazing that you remember any of their names. Yeah, but. well, you know, I'm pretty good. Uh, <laughs> um but when he kills the boyfriend and he lifts him up off the ground and then stabs the knife into him and he stays hanging there. Right. Like the way they fake that scene is fantastic. <laughs> you see the boyfriend get lifted up, but he's not. At, maybe he's just standing up. It's hard to tell. And then you see his feet get lifted off the ground, <laughs> and then you see the knife go in to the wall, and then you see a long shot of him hanging there. And like all of that is just so wonderful. And like the way they fake it, you still you imagine what's happening without actually seeing any of the real <laughs> violence. Yeah. 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 One of the things about this film that uh, I I loved beyond beyond all of that is I loved Donald Pleasance as Doctor Loomis. Yeah, Doctor Loomis, he was good, eh? <laughs> He's he is one of my favorite characters that I've seen recently in film. Like he's so out of place. Just like just a psychiatrist who's like he's evil. We have to kill him. <laughs> like, whoa, dude, come on. 
and he's a super dramatic actor. Like he's, it's, it's as if he wanted to have an acting career, didn't get to it. And this is, this is kind of his last shot. And he's like, I'm still going to commit to this role 120% and be this very angsty, thoughtful, I guess, hero of the story. Yeah. Yeah. He's sort of the hero, but not really. Well, cause it's not really Jamie Lee Curtis, right? Like she, she's a character in the story, but, but she doesn't have that same sort of, uh, protagonist feel yeah. that we get from, from the psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever. Is yeah. She's professions. not like the psychiatrist is hunting him. So he has more of like a protagonist story, I guess. But I think Jamie Lee Curtis yeah. is really, I think I consider her the protagonist. For me, I guess part of part of what happens is once we fall into the sequel, like she is in a coma for parts of it, and yeah, it's still she's following hardly yeah. in the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so and it's following his narrative around Michael Myers. Yeah, and so maybe maybe it's just bleeding backwards that way. It's two it's two narratives, two separate storytelling. It's beautiful, <laughs> wonderful piece of storytelling. <laughs> but um, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. So the other trope from from slasher films, the the last girl, yeah, the girl who survives to the end, and they and you can see the foundation of that in this movie of like she's the one who like the, her friend Annie's like we know, I know you think about that kind of stuff about boys and sex and things like that, kind of setting up her as like this the the not the virgin basically, mm-hmm. whereas the others are definitely being promiscuous. Uh, and therefore deserve to be killed by the serial killer, uh, according to 1970s America. <laughs> and so it's okay that they get killed because they're promiscuous. Whereas Jamie Lee Curtis being the like nice virgin doesn't deserve to die. And so she ends up making it to the end. <laughs> right? Like, like that's that, that trope is totally set up there. Not as cleanly as they do it nowadays, you know. But yeah. it's still you can still see the foundation of that trope in this movie, which I thought was cool. That it was like kind of done, but not very well done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, J- Jamie Lee Curtis. Do you enjoy Jamie Lee Curtis as as an actor? Um, not particularly. I mean, I think the the movie I liked her in the most was Trading Places with Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy, where she plays <laughs> okay. like the prostitute that befriends Dan Aykroyd <laughs> when he's a homeless guy. Okay, okay. <laughs> that's uh, that's the Jamie Lee Curtis movie I remember her from the most. Uh, the second one would be to- Last Action Hero. So, okay. yeah, I okay. guess I don't really care for her as an actor. <laughs> for for me, it was it was interesting seeing her in this cuz I guess this is her first major role. And and she she was really effective in this role. And and I I don't generally enjoy watching her on the screen like there's just I don't I don't find find her particularly captivating as an actor but in this one she was such a perfect character and and I think that's as much uh due to like how it was written and how it was shot but she also she just really works as this kind of earnest teenage character yeah she does um and comes across as like you like her in this movie Mm -hmm. yeah she's a good person and she's not like She's not super good. She's just like a normal sort of teenager. You know, she's babysitting. Yeah. She's a good babysitter. She's nice. But she's also got the guts to stab a serial killer in the eye with a coat, rack, a coat hanger. Yeah. Which was awesome. Also, 
can, can can we just go back to who goes out for dinner uh, on Halloween and leaves your kid with a babysitter? Like, that's isn't it? You're supposed to take your kid trick or treating. No, they went to a Halloween party. Oh, right. The parents went okay. to a Halloween party, but because kids always go Halloween trick or treating early in the day, and um, then they're usually home around eight, and then the parents go out for a Halloween party, and you hire a babysitter. See, you understand these things because you're a parent, and I'm not. I understand. No, and I was, a, you know, I was a kid once, and my parents, we would go trick or treating when it's still light out. And it's just so dumb until you're a teenager and you go trick or treating when it's dark out by yourself with fireworks. <laughs> I, li- I like the weird implication there that I I was not a child at one point. You weren't. No, you were. You were like Michael Myers. You were a psychopath from the start. The other thing about this first movie that I think is really important to talk about is that it wasn't actually John Carpenter's idea. It wasn't. Uh, it was not. I don't know if you read as much as I did because you were terrified at night laying in bed. <laughs> but I read, like, the history of everything. <laughs> I read about the ancient history of Halloween. <laughs> I got really into this. But uh, he was approached after he made, like, his first movie, whatever it was, that was in, like, a film festival thing. He was approached by these producers that wanted him to make a movie for them. And they wanted to fund him making the movie because they liked his film festival movie. And they wanted to make a movie about a serial killer who kills babysitters. And so he started working on it. And it was called like something ridiculous like The Babysitter Killer or something like that. Like it was (laughs) a terrible title. And then the producers came back to him and said, okay, change your plans. Uh, We want it to be called Halloween and we want it to be centered around Halloween. And he was like, okay, cool. And then he... He made it about Halloween. So the mastery of it was all him. But the actual like original idea of, of a serial killer that kills babysitters on Halloween totally came from like these producers. Like, this will be a good idea to make money. And it was. And it was. The, the, yeah, they're not wrong. I mean, what what I love about, I think, I think is really the first three films is how the opening credits is a pumpkin. <laughs> yeah, uh, a pumpkin that Which, then has a, a serial killer with a knife. Uh, when the lights shift. Did you notice that? That's the second one, isn't That's it? That's the first one. Or is that, the first is one. it in the first one? Yeah. I didn't notice it. Yeah. Hmm. Uh-huh. It's like the, the nose looks like a, a butcher's knife. And the huh. eye looks like the face of a serial killer. Yeah. Pretty cool. But but uh, like that, it's such a weird sort of opening credits where it's just like slowly zooming in on a pumpkin. But it terrifies you, right? Isn't it good? But it works. Isn't it, it scary? Works. It's so scary. <laughs> Yeah, um, it worked yeah. really effectively, but it was it's it's one of those things where like if you're you're used to a world of Mission Impossible credits or something or James Bond or something like that, yeah, and then you see a slow zoom in on a pumpkin for three minutes, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and uh, did you know you know where the mask came from? I I did know where the mask came from. Uh, another great Canadian actor, actually. Yeah, William Shatner. William Shatner's face. It was a William Shatner mask that they distorted, and they bought the mask for a dollar ninety-eight because they were on such a low budget for the movie. Yeah, isn't that amazing? That's amazing. It, it, one of the well, and and it points, I guess, to Michael Myers never speaks. Never, no, doesn't say a word. He never has a line of dialogue. He doesn't have any noises. That oh, he does. He has this noise. He? he has this noise. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess his heavy breathing. Which is so terrifying, isn't it? And I don't know about you, but I have a baby monitor next to my bed <laughs> so I can hear my baby if they cry in the middle of the night. And after you watch that movie and you get in bed and you have a baby monitor and in the monitor you hear a baby breathing, it is fucking scary. <laughs> Just so our, our audience is aware, I don't have a baby monitor next to my bed. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, for... For a lot of reasons, yeah, uh, I don't. Okay. Yeah, but and and the end of that movie is so fantastic. How the last few shots of the movie are all the the places that we have seen Michael Myers. Yeah, uh, just shots of it, and then his breathing in the background. Oh, so scary, right? It's such an effective ending. Because, like, for it, people who don't know, he gets he gets shot six times off of a balcony. And then when Dr. Loomis goes to look down, he's not there. Mm-hmm. And then we hear breathing and we see the places that he's been throughout the film. Basically yeah, saying great. he's still out there. Yeah. So scary. Oh, my God. Breathing is scary. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So that, 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 that ending is fantastic because it leaves it so wide open and it... It achieves that kind of like Blair Witchian feel where like after the movie when you leave, you're still scared. And you, mm-hmm. you everywhere you walk and you look around, he could be there. Michael Myers could be there. They left him alive so that he could be out in the world and you take the movie with you into your normal life in this horrible way. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it was fantastic. And then actually, this, so this is the other thing that I loved about the first two is that the second one picks up right where the first one leaves off immediately like there's no like not it's not even 10 minutes later yeah it just picks up right away which is something that i don't think i've ever seen a movie do yeah i don't know if i've seen like do any se- sequel do-, do any sequels pick up right away afterwards or do they because like how does back to the future part two start back to the future part two does start right after you are correct okay back to the future did it as well perfect Back to the Future and Halloween, these are the, oh, this is the only place they share any common elements <laughs> is in the fact that they pick up immediately afterwards. Maybe that's why I liked it so much. It reminded me of Back to the Future. <laughs> Although I do have to ask, did they add a shot at the beginning of Halloween 2 that wasn't in the original? What are you thinking? When Michael's getting shot, because I don't remember seeing the shot of him falling backwards off of the house. Until the second one. Hmm. So did they add a shot of a guy falling backwards off the house in the second one when they had a bigger budget? Maybe they did. Maybe they, maybe I just didn't see it in the first one because I was so scared I had my eyes closed. I don't know. Um, it looked like they added a shot. I was like, I think they added that shot. Cause I don't remember seeing from the outside of the house as he falls. Because they thought they just had him fall out the window. And then we'd see him land on the lawn. But we didn't see the falling backwards shot. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. But... I love that it started with that perfect, uh, perfect um, replica of the first movie. Well, and it it had a a that's the moment where we see his face, right? Like he pulled the mask is off. Do we see that in the first one too? Jamie Lee pulls the mask off his face. No, no, but that's what I mean though. Like that's why that I like that ending so much. Mm-hmm. Where that's when you see his face for really the first time. Yeah, really, and except for the little kid version of him. Yeah, and so just such a, an effective, and I just double-checked, yeah, he falls in the first one. He does fall in the first one. Yeah. Okay, so I just yeah, missed it. Yeah, we do see it there. But yeah, the, the fact that you see his face, and then he stops to put the mask back on, 
Yeah. Uh, kind of gives you this wonderful, like, oh, he needs the mask to be a killer. Well, now we know how to stop him. Take, well, take and the that's, mask off. <laughs> there, were, there were hints of, of there being more to Michael Myers there, like, but but they were just hints, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, they they didn't they didn't give us any of that earlier in the film, and so for for me, I would have liked to play with that a bit more. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I don't like. I mean, from everything I read about the rest of the series, because again, I didn't watch it all like you did. I'm not an insane person. They don't really make more of that as it goes on. Like they don't use that as like take his mask off, <laughs> like. Or do they? No, no. They it's it's so it's they should make it a bigger deal, but unfortunately they don't. Until the remake, yeah. right? Like in the remake, doesn't Rob Zombie make the mask a bigger deal? Yeah. So the the remake is a we'll we'll get to that. I think. Okay. We okay. Uh, I, yeah. Sure. Well, because I mean, well, so one of the things about the remake is that Rob Zombie starts um, he starts in the same place, mm-hmm. ex- except he spends more time with the developing the character of young Michael. Yeah. And really gives us uh I mean Rob Zombie is really giving us a an explanation for how a psychopath gets made. Mm. It it isn't it isn't that the kid is born evil. It's I mean there there might be some of that in him, but he comes from a terrible place. He's got a terrible family around him. Yeah. And and it's it's meant to give you a very different version of the character, and so he's a young kid who's you know cutting up dogs and 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 that sort mm, of stuff. And yeah, and and the first I think maybe half hour forty five minutes of the film is all build up to the murders that get that the murder of his uh, parents. Parents. Uh, well, sorry, his. His mo- his mom's boyfriend and his sister and yeah and all those characters yeah because so, in the in the first one he doesn't kill his parents he just kills his yeah sister yeah 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 and so it takes a lot more it ta- takes a lot more time and it's more sociological mm-hmm. in in its explanation and in a lot of ways it's it's a very updated version of the story because we don't really like in our stories just evil that exists and in the world like that like it's just not, oh he's yeah, just not evil. Any, not anymore yeah yeah and so w- there needs to be some sort of social explanation for how michael got to how he was and and i'm just i'm going to directly quote from the opening lines of the movie which i'm going to have to uh, make sure that we get beeped out in the actual edit but okay bitch. I will crawl over there and I will skull the shit out of you. Whoa. That's Michael's mom's boyfriend to Michael's mom. Whoa. Yeah, so I think you see why Michael would kill him. Yeah. It gives you a pretty good motivation. Like, hey, people are horrible. Let's kill these people. Yeah, but it also tells you, like, that's a very different very different story than we got in the first Halloween or the second Halloween where everyone is generally good and their biggest sin is promiscuity. Yeah, right? I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's so, so cool. That's cool. Yeah. Cause I know like when Rob Zombie was asked to make the movie uh, and he was like uh, a writer, director, producer, like he did the whole thing. It was a, it was a Rob mm-hmm. Zombie film. He talked to John Carpenter about it because they're buddies mm-hmm. and John Carpenter told him, Totally remake it, but make it your own movie. 
Yeah. And so Rob Zombie did. He was like, okay, I'm going to make it my own movie. Uh, cause I, and, and which is great because if he just sort of remade the first one, it would not be, you wouldn't be able to make it as well. Well, and this is exactly the problem because the first half of the movie is this great prequel storytelling. It is horrific in different ways from the original, but definitely horrific. And then the second half of the film is almost a scene-for-scene remake, just with Rob Zombie characters. Yeah. And, and so it it's not shot for shot, but it ends up being where John Carpenter had a budget problem and so hid the violence. Rob Zombie just covers the scene in violence. Yeah. It, it feels brutal throughout the film. And, and this is one of the things that was fascinating to me about the difference between the two two ends of the the series is at the beginning the violence always it feels impersonal like it's it's terrifying but it's impersonal whereas in rob zombies i felt super uncomfortable watching the violence against women because it felt like violence against women Mm, nice for the for the first time in the series and and part of that has to do with just attacking women while they're nude, but really playing up the the violence against them. And so it made it it made it much harder to watch. And not that it made it a better horror film, but it definitely made it much harder for me to watch as just a human being watching the film. Yeah, yeah, because that is the thing with the original Halloween is that it is violence against women. Oh yeah, but it almost feels more like like creepy stalking of women, mm-hmm. you know, cause there's so many shots of like the first person watching the woman do whatever they're doing or watching Jamie Lee Curtis walk down the street and the car just drives by slowly and it pans and you see her walking in and you get this sort of stalker feel from it, mm-hmm. which is a different kind of scary than seeing someone stab and kill a woman. Right? Like it's that the difference between like the psychological fear of it and the, the, um, uh, the like saw kind of uh, horror porn version of it, right? Like uh, where you see the violence, and that's what's scary. Yeah, and and I think saw is a is a good comparison there because while I I'm not a big fan of the horror genre, the the saw films are ones that I actually really enjoy for their so called intellectual merit. <laughs> uh, okay. They try they, they try and be more they try and be a more thoughtful horror film, right? Okay. Yeah. I read Playboy for the articles. <laughs> I I watch Saw for the articles. <laughs> but but it's the, the the violence in Saw and the violence in Rob Zombie's Halloween are very much gratuitous for the sake of shocking as opposed to foretelling the story, I think is is the difference. Yeah, see, and I think I would have had an easier time watching the modern day Halloween because mm. watching gore and violence I mean, doesn't really bother me that much. That's not really that scary to me. But the suspense that gets built up before the violence is very scary to me. And so Halloween freaked me out because it was all this suspense and build up and breathing and is he going to what's he going to do you see like the doors open in the background as someone's like you know doing something and outside the door you just see him standing there and yeah. you can see him just standing there and they don't know he's there and but you see him just standing there and you're like uh, 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 uh. or all the wonderful like over the shoulder shots where you just see over michael's shoulder as he watches the kids walk across the playing the field or something like that and you're like uh, that's, uh, 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 like those things just 
terrify me so much. Whereas watching blood and violence and stuff, I'm kind of des- un- un- desensitized, unsensitized. What's it called? Yeah, desensitized. Desensitized to that sort of thing now. So I think I would have had an easier time. I should have watched the remake. <laughs> <laughs> I think that you're right. It's 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 less tense and and the horror is 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 less there. But I think that it is horrific in a different way. In sure. in sure, yeah. in, in like. In John Carpenter's Halloween movies, everyone is generally a good person. You know, I mean, there's there's nobody really who's bad at their core. In the second movie, there's a little bit with one of the uh, ambulance drivers yeah, who's kind of. Yeah. But but for the most part, people are good. And in in Rob Zombie's world, I don't know if there's any character that's pure and good in in his films except maybe his take on laurie and even then she's she's you know 2000s good and so it's it's an imperfect good yeah and and so it it seems like their their lenses on how the world is viewed very much and and one of them is a world where people can be good and the other is well we're all imperfect flawed nasty sons of bitches and and so it's a very different kind of film altogether. Yeah, and also like the setting itself, like of Haddonfield yeah. in the original, is like this perfect little town where there's only ever yeah. been one bad thing that happened, and it was Mike Myers. And in the modern one, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong here, but Haddonfield is not a perfect place. It's no. just a normal well, city or a normal little yeah. town. Yeah. Well, and Loomis is a completely different character. In the first one, he's he's the he you could make an argument for him being the hero in rob zombie zombies he is partially responsible for for mike myers uh because he he wanted a book deal out of it right and uh, and he's kind of a slimy psychiatrist character so again yeah giving everyone a little bit more of a grayness yeah and and it i think it works for the time period in which it's it's being released but it's a very different film mm-hmm. hmm cool so Halloween two, Halloween two, uh, which is in my brain aliens to alien, huh. is how I how I viewed it. Um, how, how did you like it? I thought it was fine. I didn't have a particular problem with it. Um, it tried to do something new, which I kind of liked. In that, um, where where the entire city was the playground, or where the entire um town was the playground in the first one the second one tries to narrow it to this hospital yeah and and i thought that that was an interesting take like i absolutely loved that it started immediately after first of all that Mm -hmm. blew my mind Mm -hmm. i was like oh my goodness this is genius um and then laura goes to the hospital or laurie goes to the hospital and michael goes and kills somebody and goes into their house and hangs out there for a while i guess But Lori goes to the hospital, and then he finds out she's at the hospital, and then he goes to the hospital and hunts her down in the hospital and slowly kills off all the staff. Great. But I think I think what I read that that totally hit me with, like, that's the perfect way to phrase it, was Roger Ebert's review of Halloween 2. Did you find it when you were looking online? I didn't. I saw his first review. I didn't see the second. It's He he nails it with this, this idea that, so Halloween came out in 1978, mm-hmm. and then afterwards a whole bunch of copycat movies popped up. Including Friday the Thirteenth, and like all these copycat movies came up and started doing more where they like showed the gore of it, mm-hmm. and so Halloween Two was sort of a, came out as a response, like, all right, hey, you guys ripped our stuff off, we'll show you how to properly do a gory movie, and so Halloween Two is full of showing all of the violence, 
mm-hmm. right? Like it has a scene where someone gets in, two people get injected in the eye with a syringe. Yeah. Two people get killed that way. Um, just to show you like, hey, look how creepy we can be. Someone gets their skin burned off in a hot vat and you see their skin kind of peeling off, you know, like there was a lot, a lot more showing the actual violence and the blood and the gore. Whereas like the person, the I think maybe my favorite, eh, maybe not my favorite, was the woman that had like the, the, who he drained the blood from and she was like strapped and there was blood oh. all over the floor and then the yeah. little the ambulance driver trips and falls in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, hilarious. But like, so it's like it shows so much more of the violence, which in a way made it a little less suspenseful, scary because there wasn't, because they spent so much time showing you all the violence, there wasn't enough of the building up to the violence that yeah. made it super scary. So I found it to be less scary, but still good. Yeah. Like it didn't, I didn't feel like it, it ruined the Halloween franchise. I felt like it was like a pretty good follow-up to the Halloween franchise where it's like, let's show uh, the same thing, but a little different. Now we're in a hospital and we're going to show you a little bit more violence instead of just lead up to it. Well, and it had some great moments, like right before the woman dies in the, the vat, uh, the, the douchebag ambulance driver dies in the background. Yeah. Which was super cool to watch. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a great shot where all of the violence is happening in the background of the scene while the foreground is i think possibly gratuitous nudity um <laughs> yeah um actually i don't think there is any the nudity happens before that because there's it? just like that one nudity scene where she oh wait i guess so there's two because she comes in and takes off the towel and gratuitous nudity gets in the bath right. with him uh and then he gets out to turn off the heat she he gets killed in the background and then we don't see the nudity again until michael kills her Okay, okay. But she's in the she's in the foreground on the shot and the background is the 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 murder and it's such a great juxtaposition. Yeah. Maybe the best shot of the entire uh but I think overall you're right. A lot of the violence happens in your face and up front and and tries it it feels like it's trying too hard is is I think. Well, I also think out of, it's a little out of time. Like if we were there watching it in 1981 with special effects as they were then, yeah. It might have blown our mind to see her skin peel off of her face. But today I look at that and I go like, oh, yeah, that's just makeup. I can tell that's not really that scary. And that was it. You know, but back then, having never seen something like that, that might have terrified the hell out of you. But they still yeah. did. They still did enough of the scary like like I like the use of the security camera where you'd see the security camera of Michael walking down the hallway and you'd watch mm-hmm. as the nurse like walks out of frame and then we see her in the security camera and we know Michael just walked into that room and so like we know where he is. Like they did a lot of that still, that sort of dramatic irony kind of horror. Um, they still did do a lot of that and like a lot of like when they go in to check on Lori and they leave the door open and you see the Halloween banner across the background. <laughs> Yeah. But they leave the door open. And just the fact that the door is left open with that music, mm-hmm. you're like, Michael's going to show up inside that door. I know he does it all the time. He always shows up behind people, and then he never does. But it scared the hell out of me, that part. Yeah. Yeah. And then what we what we also saw in this film was more things that they they threw they threw out there as breadcrumbs, but very poorly, you know, executed them. Like, um, she started having psychic dreams of... Of Michael while she was yeah, in her coma. That's right. 
and the whole Sam Hain, like, the reference to it, but then didn't go anywhere with it. And I, then I, she's I kinda, his sister. I, so I liked the... He um, just dropped the biggest bomb that... Uh, <laughs> and I was about to just skim past it. I will come back to that. <laughs> but I like the Sam Hain thing. Sam Hain? Sam Hain. Sam, Sam Hain, I think. Sam Hain thing. Red Rum? Red Rum? Rum Rum. Red Rum? Red Rum. Um, and how he broke into the elementary school and like put a knife in the picture of like a family with the sister and then wrote in blood Sam Sanheim Sanhain on the chalkboard. Uh, I thought that was kind of cool because it kind of gave you this idea of like it built to me on the idea that he's an evil spirit of some kind. He is the boogeyman, right? Like how would this six-year-old kid who's never said a word in his life know anything about Sam Hain? Right? So I, I feel like he's definitely been possessed at this point. Or he's evil. He's e- he is evil incarnate. See, and I guess I just wanted I wanted them to be more direct with that than to just hint at it or just to say it in that uh, way. Mm-hmm. Or I kind of like the vagueness of that of that line. Yeah, fair and, enough. And the fair doctor kind of describes like what it was in the end of fall or the end of the, the beginning of the new year. La 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 la. With the where the barriers between the worlds is is less or something like that. You know. Um, was kind of I thought that was kind of cool, and it gives you an idea of like why he has always done these things on Halloween specifically, and <laughs> that it's something about spirits kind of taking over this kid. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. But you did drop the biggest bomb ever, and I think what ruins this movie and the entire Halloween franchise <laughs> is that Lori is his sister. Sister that yeah. had been adopted by another family, and that's why she has a different last name. <laughs> yep it seemed like some kind of weird like backwards justification for it you know like mm-hmm. uh i don't know like you look back at the original film and i can see where they got that seed from like as an improviser like looking back and trying to accept offers you made earlier mm-hmm. the fact that michael in the first one when he's six years old kills his sister so they realize in the second one what if Lori's also his sister and he only kills his sister <laughs> Like, that's where the seed came from or something like that. And they decided to make that a big part of the story, which I think just ruins the whole concept of the movie. I don't know. What do you think? I'm I, like you. I saw what they were trying to do with it, and I thought that it could be interesting, but it wasn't. And and I think part of it for me is if maybe I would have liked it more if she wasn't also psychically linked to him or whatever. Yeah. Uh, like, but but even... This this kind of gets to the the third movie a little bit too, in that you can see uh, Carpenter interested in in building a mythos here, like there's there's more that he wants to do than have this just be this, a slasher uh, this, film. Yeah, yeah. He 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 wants something greater, and so he's trying to build it bigger, and 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 in some ways I think leave room for. Uh, a version of this story that is about Jamie Lee Curtis as the psychopath um, or something like that. and Or like leave version of the story open to, to embrace the Sam Hain, Sam Hain? Yeah. Sam Hain um, idea of the barriers being down in Halloween and the evil spirits come out and, and like opening it up to be like there's this bigger world of, of evil and Michael Myers is just one thing in that world. Ye- yeah, it, and and the problem is just it wasn't well executed at all. Yeah, it just felt like a. I felt I felt like it 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 uh, it ruins the first movie too. 
<laughs> knowing that he he's going after her because it's his sister that was alive because she was adopted by somebody else and only he somehow knew that because of his magic powers or something like that yeah it just seemed kind of lame uh and that she wouldn't know in the first movie you know like going to drop the key off at the myers house and she doesn't even think like oh that's my family's house like it just seemed kind of kind of forced and dumb yeah yeah, that, yeah that, I didn't like it. And I feel like it's a thread that gets carried through all the rest of the movies, which kind of lame. It yeah, it un- unfortunately does get get picked up and uh, it goes some weird places. Yeah, and it's not a reveal that makes me happy. <laughs> Cuz does that mean that if he ever kills Jamie Lee Curtis, that's it, he's done? Like he retires, he hangs up his knife, he's killed his whole family. Now we have to find another reason for him to kill. Like is that what's going to end up happening? Or does Jamie Lee Curtis have to keep on getting away? Well, that's exactly what happens because Jamie Lee Curtis dies off screen uh, before the events of the fourth movie. Yeah, and, and so, they're follow. He's following the niece. Ah, uh, like her daughter or something. Yeah. Yeah. So he's just now. Now he's just got to kill anyone in his family ever. And then the fifth movie. What happens? Is it his niece's niece? Like what? What? What happens? Is it just keep following his bloodline down? Um, there's a, there's a cult, there's a, there's a secret cult. They impregnate the niece. Uh, the baby gets taken away. She has to, it gets weird. Wow. That's good. See, if they didn't make it about him killing his sister, they would not have had to go that route. (laughs) Well, and, and, and I think, I, I think Carpenter didn't want that. I think... I think you 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 get a sense from how does this oh yeah the second one ends with them blowing up Michael Myers yeah they burn him and he dies he totally dies yeah. he is totally dead he's actually dead and and that's what they wanted to do they wanted to end the story of Michael Myers and it's why with the third movie we go with a completely different direction yeah okay, let's get into this third movie because uh, yeah because it is it's there's no Michael Myers in it at all nope uh, and well, then. Oh wait, there is kind of. Well, the movie Halloween it exists in the in yeah, the universe, which is yeah. where this gets really weird. So Halloween three is set in a different universe than Halloween one, like, mm-hmm. but it's still called Halloween three. And I I can yeah. see if Halloween four was also a different movie, it would have been fine. But because Halloween four goes back to Michael Myers, it now means that Halloween three is like this weird meta thing where like the events that happened are actually real. But not, but like it was so weird. I understand why they put it on the screen as like a. It's pretty funny, uh, yeah. but it's like it just kind of makes me spin around my head a little bit. <laughs> like considering I know that it goes on to become a whole series. And John Carpenter didn't want that. Like the thing that John Carpenter wanted was Halloween to be a franchise like The Twilight Zone. Yeah, where every movie that comes out is now a different. Yeah. Can be any Different, new, but the same. new story. Yeah, new stories that all center around the idea of Halloween, but not about the first movie. Yeah. Which I think he he ruined for himself already when he did Halloween 2. Yeah. Like the fact that Halloween 2 picked up right where Halloween 1 left off, everyone expected Halloween 3 to pick up that story. Yeah. Right. And then you decided to not do it, uh, which is fine. If that third movie is really good. And it was. Not. (laughs) 
So, so Halloween three is called Season of the Witch. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, we're for not sure reason. why. <laughs> and it is a science fiction film. Yeah, mm-hmm. that takes place with a completely new set of characters. Yep. That it is not a slasher film whatsoever. Yep. Well, kind of is. Well, there are creepy androids. Main character is dude with a mustache that sleeps with the women that are way too young for him to be sleeping with. Yeah, he's he. I kept thinking he was Tom Selleck. Yeah, he kind of. You know who he is? He's Michael Hunsaker. Michael Hunsaker from Lethal Weapon. Whoa. Danny Glover's friend. Uh, so. Wow. He he's like the guy who works for the drug lords, whose daughter is the one that jumps off the building at the beginning. <laughs> wow. All I could think while watching this movie was like, "Whoa, Michael Hunsaker! He's the hero. Weird. <laughs> he's a very weird hero." But and like, you're right, he does sleep with women much younger than him. Way. And then after him. having sex twice, he goes, "How old are you?" Yeah. No, only during and that the, made me dur- feel hey, dur- during the second time before they had sex. He said, "How old are you?" <laughs> Very creepy, very creepy, and totally kind of gross. And he has like an ex-wife who hates him. Uh, I wonder why she hates him. Okay, um, the so this movie, you say so you said it's not a slasher film at all, and I wish I could agree with that because if it wasn't a slasher film at all, I think it would have been better. But I felt like they need they 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 had the pressure to make it similar to Halloween, Mm -hmm. the original ones, but they wanted it to be different, so they. Made the story totally different, but then they still had moments of like, and the person steps into frame and we see over their shoulder, just like Michael Myers, right? Yeah. Like you see, uh, and they're always there standing in the shadows, but they're not slasher people. They're dudes in suits. Who turn out to be robots. Turn out to be robots. But, but until we know that, they're just guys in suits who are not as scary as slashers. Um, they still show some incredible violent moments of like, like the woman that gets zapped in the face by the thing, and we see oh, her man. like mouth is like gaping open, and a bug crawls out of it, and is like super gross. Yeah, but like felt so out of place in a science fiction movie about robots, and like when the the guy like drills her in the head with the drill, and you don't see the drill go in, but you hear it, and like you picture it in your brain, like that moment, like. Like, uh, like that is a slasher film moment. You know, there's yeah. so many moments that were like straight out of slasher films, but then, then the rest of the movie had nothing to do with slasher films. Even right down to like the nudity that's always in slasher films, they didn't do it. There was they almost they almost had a nude scene, but then they didn't actually show any nudity. No, there's definitely nudity when she gets out of the shower. No, she's it's distorted because of the mirror. You don't see any nudity in the movie, which I mean, okay, I'm not like I'm like I wanted to see nudity, but like in slasher films, that's one of the tropes, and they didn't do it. But then they did some of the slasher violence moments, but then they didn't actually have us. The, the the best I can describe it is it's a slasher film without the slasher. Yeah, yeah, there was there was no slasher. There's and no one doing the slashing. I I loved it. I loved this film. I thought that it was, I mean, I I didn't think that it was uh, 
the same as the last two films, but I loved it as this weird science fiction story that's trying to adhere to some conventions that are <laughs> yeah. completely wrong for it. That's what it was. It felt like the outer limits, but they were like, but let's throw in some slasher scenes. <laughs> Yeah, and that's what I loved about it. I mean, <laughs> and put on the creepy music from the first two, right? Because John Copter, I think, did the music for this as well, right? Uh, I I don't know whether he did the music, but they brought back his his song or his his synth. So yeah, yeah. So he produced it, and I'm pretty sure okay. he did the music for the first three. Mm. And uh, he wrote the first two. He didn't write this one, but he did produce it. So I think like he was in the music making part of it. Okay. But the rest of it was just like like it, it felt so it just felt so it felt like someone did a science fiction movie but used John Carpenter's music and then someone told them they had to add some slasher scenes to it. See, and and I think all of that together makes it such a hilarious uh sequel to to the first two films. Yeah, but it, but hilarious not like it like you're laughing with it, like you're laughing at how horrible these decisions were. Well, what what I liked about it was I didn't like I knew that the third one was was something different, but yeah. I didn't like I didn't understand what that meant, and so I sat down to watch it, and was just continually amazed. Like, imagine going to the theater <laughs> during Halloween, like like on the thirty first, to go see this oh film. Oh my god! <laughs> after after binging the first two films like you're like oh i'm gonna watch halloween to get caught up for this third halloween movie <laughs> um, and yeah. then you get get something that i think it 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 both has this kind of anti-capitalist message but also an anti-irish message yeah like okay i see what you're saying that it's kind of it would be neat to see i mean first of all you wouldn't have been able to binge the other two because i don't think vhs's That's... were really around back then Okay, you're right. Um, in 1981 or 1983, whenever this one came out, um, maybe you'd be able to watch them, but I doubt it. So you're just going in with like your memory of how much you loved the first two and how scary they were <laughs> and Michael Myers and this killer. And then you watch a guy get chased by a guy in a suit and, uh, and get strangled to death yeah. with a Halloween mask in his hand and a really annoying Halloween commercial on the TV. Oh man, those commercials are terrible. And why was it Irish? Why Irish? Why Irish people? What 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 like well, what because the they're taking our jobs, Dave. <laughs> no, why? I mean, I, I backwards engineering, I can see why. Because they wanted to make it about Stonehenge. Right. And Stonehenge is in off like the coast of Ireland or whatever. And so they're like, so let's make the guy Irish. Because only Irish people can be interested in Stonehenge. Apparently. <laughs> And he imports a bunch of Irish people over to America to work in the factory. Like, that's made clear. Yeah. But also robots. So, <laughs> like, what? Why? And why did the hotel guy, the guy who ran the hotel, why did he have to have a ridiculous Irish accent? An obviously <laughs> fake Irish accent. When the main guy, 
that had like an English accent. Like, what was going on with the Irish thing? Why make it Shamrock? Like, I, like, why couldn't he have just been a witch whose ancestors were Irish? Sure, his ancestors are Irish. He's just a witch, or a wizard, or a warlock, or whatever. Like, why? That was enough. That would have been enough. So I'm gonna I'm gonna answer your question with a quote from the film. Please don't. Why do I need a reason? <laughs> yeah. Do I need a reason? <laughs> Apparently, you don't need a reason, but the filmmakers were like, we need to give lots of reasons why, and that comes in the form of Irish people. Uh, there's also this sense in the film where they're, like it's this sort of uh, mystery conspiracy that you're going to be able to unravel. Yeah. Like, it, it, like, you get a sense. You're like, oh, okay, I'm piecing things together, and I'm going to get it. And at one point, the villain even says to our Tom Selleck wannabe character, he says... You've still got time to figure it out all by yourself. And when I heard that line, I heard that line, I'm like, you're speaking directly to me, Stephen, watching this movie in 2016. I've still got time. And let me tell you, I never predicted that they were taking pieces off Stonehenge and putting them into microchips to make children go crazy and turn into bug people. <laughs> Not just turn into bug people, but have like their faces basically melt. And locusts and serpents and, like, things come out of their faces and basically create uh, all, like, the um, – from the Bible. Oh, man. Um, like, great, what great film. <laughs> What in the – why? Like, that was the scariest moment when the yeah. kid when – they're, when they're in the demo room and the kid's head, exp- like, kind of melts and all the bugs come out. But only because it's bugs and bugs are scary. Yeah. That was the only scary moment. There was like the rest of it. I was not scared. I slept like a baby that night. I went to bed going like that was a terrible movie. Because <laughs> um, men in suits are not scary. Hey, hey, man, go look at Firefly. Yeah, not scary. Um, <laughs> giant corporations controlling things. Cool. That's kind of scary. Halloween mask making companies from Ireland controlling everything. Not scary anymore. No, you lost me. You lost me with the specifics. <laughs> I, I just, I, it was so ridiculous. And I think if they just made it uh, not a ha- not Halloween 3, like it was just a, a science fiction movie about this mask company that's going to kill all these kids and bring about the apocalypse and left out all the slasher film stuff, it might have been a compelling suspense sort of mystery, you know, science fiction mystery. But it was not. Uh, scary. It was not scary to me at all. That's fair. Which That's I think, fair. considering the first two actually scared me, and were older, and they still managed to scare me with their um, like the cinematography of it and the suspense and the what have you. This one failed miserably at scaring me, which I think makes it a horrible uh, movie for the Halloween franchise. It's a terrible movie for the Halloween franchise. Yeah, I loved it. Why Irish? I loved it. Why Irish people? There are so many questions in that movie. I just, I, it's great. Like, why was there the running subplot with his his wife and and kids? And it's like, oh, because we want the ending scene to be him screaming into a telephone, shut the commercial off, shut the commercial. Well, yeah, off. and that that was like, I understood the running story with the wife and the the because she's not gonna believe like, and that she bought him these masks, bought the kids these masks, and said and didn't use his mask, his cheap crappy knockoffs yep. and so therefore his kids are gonna die right that was kind of that gave some stakes to it right when he phones her 15 minutes near the end of the movie 
and yeah. then there's steaks finally. <laughs> and uh, and then it turns out that the girl got replaced by a robot. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And so of course awesome. she got replaced by a robot. I know. She didn't say she didn't say anything and you're just like, "Oh, she was definitely replaced." Like he just rescues her from the room after they say, you know, they're doing some sort of operation and you're like, "You're not going to question this at all, dude. No. You're not going to be like, "Are you okay?" Well, and like the 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 fact that the guy says, like, it, the internal parts were actually easy. It was the outside that was the hardest part. And then after seeing a girl for, like, two hours, he makes a perfect replica of her. Whatever. You lost me there. Anyway, um, she turns out to be a robot, and then he gets to the gas station, and he's calling the, the TV network and telling him to turn off the things, which I don't think that's how TV works. No, one one network doesn't control all the t- All the channels, and- but let's say they does for the purpose of storytelling. Um, and he succeeds on the first one, he succeeds on the second one, but then the third channel, it's still showing, and he's saying, turn it off, get it off the third channel, get it off the third channel, while these kids are in there watching it, and then it cuts. Yep. And we never find out what happens. Did they turn it off? Did they not turn it off? What do you think, Steve-O? The only, the only compelling question about the whole movie. I, I don't care. I think they did. I think they did, and nothing happened, and it was boring. <laughs> I see for for me it was a fun episode of the Twilight Zone and and I was I was super happy with that. I was super happy after watching two two movies that scared the piss out of me to watch just an episode of the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Okay, so now the third one is the oddity. It's the weirdest one of all of these. It's not. See, this is this is the thing. Once we get to four, five, six really five six seven it just goes off the rails weird and and uh, well you know what no you it goes go ahead it goes back to michael myers it does back to the standard slasher film formula of watching a guy go around killing a bunch of people yeah yeah and then the reasons why he's doing it the backstory of it the environment he's doing it within constantly change and morph like all slasher films do right like Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, like Jason, every movie we find a new reason for him to come back to from the dead, or we don't, and he just comes back yeah. from the dead. Um, he goes to space, whatever. In Nightmare on Elm Street, it's always a different reason why Freddy Krueger's going after this group of kids because of whatever they did and how they did it, blah, blah, blah. Or not. Maybe he just shows up. Who cares? Uh, we just want to set up an environment where the slasher can come slash people. Yeah. And so it kind of re- re- returns. It it ends up becoming just a normal sort of slasher series after after number three. At least in my opinion, yeah. you tell me. You watched them all. I only read the synopsises. And and this is, I guess, a good time to come to my final thoughts on this. Is that I don't know if I've ever watched uh, a film series like this before that has been been so consistently released and and really speaks to the different eras in which they were that they existed like i don't know i i, don't, I didn't really watch nightmare on elm street or the uh the jason films and that sort of stuff and i'm not sure if there are a lot of other franchises that kind of have the the history of modern cinema in them like can you think of anything like Star Wars doesn't really count because there are a huge gaps and b they're trying to replicate some of the same moods. Yeah, I think the closest I can get to is the James Bond series. Oh yeah, um, yeah. which shows like uh, the older ones are a lot more like slow and suspense building, and then the middle ones are kind of more like 
cheesy action-y stuff, and then the later ones are awesome action movies and special effects. So, like, the James Bond series, I think, does what you're saying uh, in showing the history of cinema through the different franchises and has a lot of relaunches and reboots and different people playing different roles and stuff like that while the names all sort of stay the same. Um, so I think I think James Bond is the closest I can get. And I think James Bond, now that you say it, is is the, the best sort of similar example. Because as I was saying before, with the first two films, like it's a classic you know, uh, late 70s, early 80s set of films. Like, yeah, sort of psychological thrillers. Yeah, and evil exists in the world, and it's just evil. Like, it's it's presumably the devil or, or a demon or something embodying this kid, and he's immortal for whatever reason. And it's, like, it's all... you. It, it's that kind of storytelling. And then we get the sci-fi revamp, which we don't, like... It's not the same film at all. Um, but four, five, and six turn to this magical, mystical explanation for it. So human beings are the reason why why Michael Myers is the way that he is because they're trying to tap into the dark arts. They're trying to um, follow these sacred rituals. They're trying to the curse of the thorn or whatever it is. They're tr- they're they're trying to do. Um, they're trying, human beings trying to do evil that is supernatural evil. And then with seven and eight, when we had the, the, which retconned all of the old films out and we returned to Jamie Lee Curtis as an, as older woman, we had the, like the teenage horror movie from the nineties. Like this was, I know what you did last summer. This was scream. It's all those sorts of same films that really are rooting it in kind of this, mix between these teenagers that don't know what the world's like and so they're you know they're kind of young and and stupid and it's kind of their own fault throughout the films Mm. that that they fall into michael myers grasp every time like you never got that feeling in the other films like people who went off on their own in in one and two like they they had reasons to go off on their own like it made sense because they didn't know that michael myers was around or they had to go get save their kid or whatever yeah they're babysitters yeah whereas in the 90s versions it's just filled with people making stupid choices Mm -hmm. and like one reason that two characters get separated is one of them wants to just hang out at a vending machine and get a twinkie Right. And it, and and the idea is is supposed to be this. Well, you're you're so dumb. That's how the killer got you. Yeah. Sort of way. Mm-hmm. And then we get to Rob Zombies, which is which is a very human take on the character. Michael Myers is a is a sociopath, a psychopath. He is evil because the world has made him evil and. And everyone in the world is kind of cracked and broken and no one, everyone kind of deserves what they get. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's such a, an incredible arc for, for a series to take because really Rob Zombie's the ninth Halloween movie is in a lot of ways the same thing as the first movie with a completely different set of codes, with a completely different set of, of morals and moods, but it's, it's almost scene for scene the same movie at points. Yeah, not to mention that it's also from the remake generation where we've started remaking all these old movies. So it's also a remake, which fits into that the the sort of like it's it's showing us the history of cinema. 
Yeah. Well, and 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 so that's why it like even though there were parts of this that I like didn't I, I didn't enjoy as films, I'm fascinated by the entire arc of the Halloween series because maybe the James Bond series does it better, but even then maybe not that tell really tells a story about the period in which it was released really effectively. Hmm. And that's And you don't you you don't get an, an opportunity for that very often. Mhm. That's an interesting observation that I would I did not make. But now that you mention it, it's it's fascinating to see uh, the movie that defined the genre of slasher films then start just emulating what all the other slasher films are doing and became like not only was it the catalyst but also it becomes sort of like our our like uh our measuring stick to see like how are slasher films doing well watch halloween watch the new halloween movie and you'll get kind of like an overview of what's going on in the slasher film genre without having to watch every slasher film <laughs> that's that's a perfect way to put it yeah yeah i mean like and that that's that that does redeem it a little bit to me cuz my thoughts were all was was that it started out as like the most amazing defining horror film and then just became like every other horror film afterwards yeah right and and started out as like something that that changed uh the way we would scare people and helped uh uh kind of like build on the things that hitchcock were doing in like this nice new fresh way and and taking a new direction and then it just followed the direction of the normal scary movies but i like thinking of it as the fact that it's like the measuring stick as well as the catalyst of it um and it does kind of redeem it in my eyes a little. Well, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Well, I, I got to say, I, I have a much more, much bigger appreciation for these movies now, and I'm looking forward to watching them again uh, next year. I I liked this, despite how I thought that this was going to be a terrible experience for us both. So I'm I'm glad that we did it. Yeah. You know what we should do next year? We should uh, we should What's watch that? Halloween one and two back to back. Just, like that just, just I think that, I think that might be my new Halloween tradition. Watching Halloween one and two back to back because they kind of like go right through into like their one story. Well, in that case, you kind of need to watch the third one to finish off the trilogy. Nope, you do not because <laughs> the third one doesn't finish or start anything. Come on, man, the luck of the Irish. Yeah, the hate hating Irish people. <laughs> um, cool. Well, uh, nice work. Uh, today was fun. That was good. Happy Halloween. Cool. We'll end it with that. Okay. Do you sure you want to say something else? Say something else to end it with. No, no, that works. What, what's your problem with Happy Halloween? Happy, happy Halloween, Halloween.